If you put your effort and concentration into playing to your potential to be the best that you can be, I don't care what the scoreboard says, at the end of the game, in my book, we're going to be winners. The talent for so many players today, the talent in the spotlight, it's taking them to heights that their character's not strong enough to support. I'm one of those set goals, chief goals. I talked about faith, passion, obviously the drive with the guys that I've been around and the guys that surround me every single day. If I want to be one of the best, I've got to play with and against the best. Okay, so that which gets praised gets repeated. You're listening to The Hardwood Hustle, brought to you by PGC Basketball. Hey coaches, before we get going today, I want to extend an invitation to you. Do you have a great player or a leader you're going to count on next season to run the show for you? Well, don't leave their success and your team's success to chance, or you may end up disappointed. Thousands of coaches send their players to a point guard college camp each year so they can discover how to think the game, lead your team, and run the show. We'll send them back to you a smarter player, a better player, and better equipped to foster a championship culture next season in practice and in the locker room. I've had many of our own college players attend a PGC camp, and it's always had a huge impact on them on and off the court. You can go to pgcbasketball.com to find a camp near you. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to the Hardwood Hustle. I'm your host, Adam Bradley, normally alongside TJ Rosine. Today, I'm going solo. Got a fun episode about 100-point games. It's a great exercise that you can use in your practice. And I've got Coach Rostogi here to share and to talk along with it. Before we do, though, let's catch up with our friends over at Shot Tracker. Our friends over at Shot Tracker are changing the game with their new revolutionary technology that is making basketball more efficient and effective at all levels. Shot Tracker is made up of three components there's a Shot Tracker enabled ball, player sensors, and anchors in the rafter. And combining them all gives you high level, detailed analytics to be able to track everything your players are doing, spacing, movement, shot efficiency. It's absolutely incredible. Check out ShotTracker.com to learn more about how you can get connected to ShotTracker and begin changing the game for your team. If you missed our previous episode with Coach Rostogi, I want to encourage you to pause this podcast where it is and go back and listen. Coach Rostogi, a good friend of mine, terrific coach, has coached the last four years in Northern Virginia uh, down at W.T. Woodson High School Varsity Girls, uh, then went over to South County High School to coach the Varsity Girls basketball there, and has since moved on to Brandeis University as an assistant coach for a D3 women's basketball program right outside of Boston. And in the past episode, we talked about How do you build and maintain a healthy environment, healthy culture, full of engagement and passionate players, even in the midst of losing? And Coach Rostogi, fortunately and unfortunately, was an expert on that subject. And we dug in. But in that episode, uh, Coach Rostogi talked about an exercise that he does with his team called 100-point games. And it was pretty fascinating. It was fun. And I wanted to... elaborate on that and talk a little bit more about this concept of a hundred point game. Now, coach, correct me if I'm wrong. You don't quite know exactly where you got the hundred point game uh, idea from, but it has evolved and it was something that you've run with over the last couple of years. Correct. Correct. Yeah. I have no clue what like brought it to my mind and then we just, we just ran with it. 
So it's not we're not not thanking the pastor because we don't want to. We're just not thanking the pastor because old age is getting to us and we can't remember where we may have first heard it or where the inspiration came from. But this exercise, just for its context, this is a warm up exercise. Is that correct? Yeah. So like when you're getting into practice after you've done your stretching and all of that stuff, just to get the ball out and play a little bit and really, again, reemphasize what's important to you as a program. So tee it up, okay? So the 100-point game, what is the basis and the the framework of the exercise? Right. So first you have to sort of define your pillars of play, like what's important to you. And so at the time that this was created or we were thinking about doing this, um, what was important to us was obviously sharing the ball, setting off-ball screens, and, and, you know, shot quality, shot selection. And rebounding. And And rebounding, yep. So we decided, you know what, if those are the things that are most important to us, let's put a score on it and let's play to 100. And these games should probably go pretty quick, especially if kids are getting like nine points for taking a wide open layup. So we, we experimented with it in practice. The kids really enjoyed it. And so what then ended up evolving out of it was this idea that we can just put a score on whatever we believe is important as a program, and we can just evolve the game and play to 100. And so, you know, we're playing against a tough opponent that presses all over the floor or whatever. We're going to bring in um, the football players. They're going to come in and get some condition, and they're going to run against our kids. But instead of having regular scoring, we're just going to play 100-point games for the next half an hour. So and, would you do yeah. this? I mean, obviously you don't always have the luxury of having the, the football team to go against. So more often than not, it was your team going against your team, right? So like correct the, the two teams. And, and the 100-point games, what, what you're saying is, and, I, and I've got your notes here, so I, I'm going to kind of go through it. You would uh, reward your team one point for a completed exchange of the ball, handoff or pass. Mm-hmm. You would then give two points for every off-ball screen you would see. Five points for an offensive rebound. And then the scoring, you would add to a made basket. So if it's a two or a three, you would take that point. But then you would also add the point for their shot quality based off the shot rating chart. And you've utilized PGCs where uh, they they speak on the in-rhythm, in-range, uncontested. So just from a high-level level. if you have a shot that is in rhythm, in range, uncontested, you're saying that is worth seven points. If you've got two out of those three on your shot, that's a five-point rated shot. If you only have one of those, that's a three-point uh, rated shot. Wide open layups would be nine. Correct? Correct. Okay. Yep, correct. So, so made free throws you have as five. Defensive scoring, any deflection, is it a turnover and a deflection or just simply a deflection? Just if you get your hand on the ball. That would be worth 10 points. And if someone takes a charge, game over, that's 100 points. Is that correct? Correct. Yep. So, so if someone in your game, so, so you're playing, you're going back and forth, you're warming up, 10 to 15 minutes. Um, first off, how many games can you get in in a 10 to 15 minute span on average? Mm-hmm. The most the most we ever got in was four, but usually it's between two and three. Okay, two or three. So if I'm coming down and I'm dribbling and someone sets an off-ball screen down on the wing and I hand off a pass, okay, so the two points would be for that off-ball screen happening down at the wing. 
Mm-hmm. I then hand off a pass at the top of the key. That's another point. So now I'm at three points for that possession. Mm-hmm. I then the, – the, the person I, I just handed the ball off goes around, takes a in rhythm, in range, uncontested, so the best of the best, seven-point rated shot, takes a seven-point rated shot and makes the two-pointer. That would be nine points for that shot. Mm-hmm. Add that up to the handoff. That's an additional one. That's 10. Add the two points for the off-ball screen taking place around the wing. That would be a 12-point possession based on this scale. Is that correct? That's absolutely correct, yep. Gotcha. Okay, so so this is pretty powerful and dynamic. And and I totally understand, uh, Coach, what you're saying is I'm guessing you change these – point systems all throughout the year, right? Things you want to work Absolutely. on and put emphasis. Yep. Is that correct? Absolutely. And so that's sort of the crux of the game's approach, right? Is is playing the game, but emphasizing what you want to see through the scoring. And so we really got creative with it at some points where we would say like, we need to have a double stagger and you get 50 points. But organically, how are you going to create a double stagger out of what we're running? You know, and so then you have to use the screen. So sometimes kids would just go set them and be like, hey, that's two points, that's two <laughs> points. Now we have to use them, and we'll give you an extra point. So we'll make it three if you actually use it. Um, you know, if I were to score it now, Adam, I would actually remove the off-ball screening part, um, and I'd make it a little bit more uh, advantage-based because that's where my coaching has gone. Um, if the ball switches sides of the floor, that's five points. If the ball touches the paint, that's five points. So that can be on a post feed or penetration. Um, the exchange of the ball is still one point. The shot rating stuff stays the same. But what we're really aiming for here is 30 points in a possession being a really, really high quality possession. You don't have to get to 30 points because obviously, like, if you don't have to, you shouldn't. But if we're playing five on five and we're at a neutral start, if we can get to 30, we're probably going to score with a wide open layup. Do kids try Four to take – yeah, you know, I'm trying to think through all angles of this, right? Like I, I try to mm-hmm. kind of pick it apart essentially. Or do kids take advantage of it? Like let's say you're giving five points to throwing it down in the paint. Well, we throw it down to the paint. He had an open shot, but he bats it back out so he could get it back in the paint to equal <laughs> ten points. It sounds crazy, yeah. right? But isn't that what kids do when they're trying to win? Yeah, you know? yeah. They utilize right. all these different so- things. Yeah, so they do, right? Like, they, they will take advantage of it. My first team would just pass the ball back and forth over and over and over again just to get the points. And so, like, they'd be up 67 to 30, and all of a sudden they're just holding the ball and just passing it back and forth between two people. But in a sh- in a state that doesn't have a shot clock, isn't that what happens if you're down by that much? They're just going to keep passing the ball back and forth, so figure out a way to go get the ball. Um, you know, similarly, like with the post-feed example – yeah, absolutely. But at that point, again, like if you're sick of getting scored on, that's why we've given you so many points for getting a deflection. Go steal it, right? Go deflect that pass. Stop making it so easy for them to throw it in there. And so that's when as coaches, we can step in and instead of like yelling at them, be like, hey, look at the scoreboard. This is reflective of the quality of play right now, of what our core values are as a team, what our pillars of play are as a team. How can you ensure that they're not going to keep getting those points. Well, put your chin on her shoulder. Put your arm in the passing lane. Don't let her throw darts, right? So that simplicity of language, giving them the verbal and and, um, physical cues of what to do and why and when, 
usually will mitigate some of that cheating. But again, that's why we as coaches have to be a little bit smart and understand like, and look for those misconceptions of like, how can they cheat this game? And if they cheat it, let's change the rules and set the bar a little bit higher or do something different. I've got a couple more questions on this because I, I love this concept. And in the 100-point game, it's catchy, right? It's fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's impactful and it's teachable. Uh, let's take a quick halftime break. We're the Friends Over Team Snap. We'll jump into the second half here in a moment. Thanks to our Friends Over Team Snap for today's halftime communication tip. Today I want to talk about the power of our communication when we build it around a theme of celebrating others. I believe when we do that, three things happen in our favor. The first one It helps create an environment for winning. I think about the teams that do a great job celebrating others and what you find are players who want to fight harder for one another. They want to battle tougher for one another. They feel more empowered. There's a stronger spirit of ownership within the program. They want to give more to the program and to the team. It changes and helps create an environment for winning. Secondly, It raises each player's personal performance. There's often a quote that everyone's familiar with, when you look good, you play good. And although there may be some truth in there, I believe what's more true is when you feel good, you play good. And one of the best ways for us to feel good in a team environment is when we're playing alongside teammates that have our back, that celebrate us, that encourage us. In fact, when we do that, we raise the level of our teammates. So when you think about it in that light, it's almost foolish not to do it. It's an easy way for us to raise the performance of our teammates. And lastly, when we celebrate others in a great way, it takes the focus off of us and puts it onto others. And that is one of the golden rules of teams is that we need to play for each other. Well, when you're celebrating someone else, you're having to think about their accomplishment. You're having to think about the things they've done well and you're communicating those. And and those moments, you're taking the focus off of you, you're thinking about someone else, and that's where the focus, which helps create this overall culture that produces winning. Coaches, when you tap into celebrating others and make that a theme of your communication, so much changes in your favor. When you think about it in that way, like I said, it's almost foolish not to create that habit. Thanks to our friends over at TeamSnap. Make sure you check out TeamSnap.com backslash hustle to learn more about the communication app helping bring teams together all over the country and get everyone organized, serving over 15 million people across the globe. Make sure you check out TeamSnap.com backslash hustle. So, Coach, I, I do want to know, is it does it ever get to a point where there's too many things you're keeping track of that the players can't keep track of it themselves? So does it need to stay within a certain parameter to effectively do this exercise? Yeah, I mean, see what your kids can handle. I think the more things you emphasize, you're not really emphasizing anything, um, which is, again, why why I changed the rules from the off-ball screening and stuff like that because it was really about, like, we were sort of beating our heads against the wall saying, like, why won't they set screens off the ball? Well, because they don't want to. So let's scrap it and let's move on to something they do want to do and let's emphasize what what – matters to our team um so i think if you are really sound in your philosophy which again that's why you should probably do that before you play this game is really understand what's important to you like the top five things that are most important to you make those things the most important and then if there's something you want to add consider taking something away 
Is there a way to effectively keep score for this and, and that you found to be the most effective method? Because it seems like it could get a little complicated. You're sitting over there and you've got all these different things and you're trying to keep an eye on everything and there's things happen off the ball and you miss that exchange. Is, is there a, a suggestion for that? Yeah, have really good managers. That's my suggestion. Uh, no, I, I would generally actually stand next to the scorer's table um, and I would give them a little note card too that had the scoring on it every time we did it. So they could put it on the scorer's table and know, you know, kind of what they were doing um, at least what they were looking for. So we would have a spotter. If we had two managers there, we'd have a spotter. One of them would be calling it out. The other one would just be typing it into the scoreboard. She wouldn't even be looking up to see what was happening. If we didn't have two managers there, and again, my managers were like in eighth grade, you know, so if they can keep score, anybody can do it. It just comes down to somebody who knows the rules and can then spot for that kid who's putting it on the scoreboard. Hmm. One thing we told our players was, don't ever say anything to the managers that are keeping score. Um, because if you start complaining about it, if you start whatever, we're just going to go back to zero and start over. Like this is supposed to be something where, yes, the score does matter. They're going to do the best they can, but you can't control that. So just control what you control, which is getting as many points in this game as possible. Has this game, this 100-point games, evolved since you started teaching it? Or have you kind of yeah, just so- kept it where it is? So it's evolved in its usage. So before it was just something different that we were trying in practice because again, we didn't we wanted them to do action X. They weren't doing action X, so we had to come up with a response. Or I had to come up with a response. And so it evolved then into a measurement of the success of our program kind of as a whole on the court. So when I'm watching film now uh, of any team, whether it's my Brandeis team, whether it's uh, you know an NBA team, my, my previous teams, whatever, I will sit there and I will grade the possession based on the rules. Um, so, for example, if I think that switching sides of the floor with the ball, uh, touching the paint, you know, dribble drive, whatever, whatever the five things I think are most important, I'm going to sit there and grade out all of those possessions that way. And so what it became was a framework by which we could teach the game. And our kids would even say it on the bench, like, yo, that's a 30-point possession, 30, 30, 30, because that was what we were kind of looking for, was like, if we can get to 30, we're going to be pretty good. Um, and then I've shared it with a couple of coaches who then started using it with their teams and doing it the, the same way, grading their possessions. And, and one of them is Coach Kyle Cavanaugh, who's another lead em up regional coach down in Louisiana, he, uh, he and I talk about it all the time. He'll send me a clip of a team that he's, he's working with, and he'll be like, look at this 42-point possession, you know, and we'll talk about it. And so, again, it creates that common language. So that's really how it evolved for, for me. Did you ever get to a point, and this would probably require a lot of, bit of, a lot of time and effort, and, um, but where you would know what an entire game should produce from a point perspective? Like in an ideal situation? I mean, um, you know, like, like you, if you – could capture the data, right, mm-hmm. the, and, and collect it all, and, and maybe it would just be a mathematical equation of you know adding up each possession individually, adding it collectively, knowing what it where you needed to be on average, right? So maybe yeah, maybe so on average, like two thousand, right? Like we need two thousand right. points a game in order to be successful, and what that would right. constitute is thirty possessions at this number that would give us the best chance of winning. 
Right. And so I think that's that's where we're talking about finding the game within the game. Right. So if on average we're, we have, let's say, 70 possessions in a game and 40 of those possessions are five on five half court possessions. So from a neutral start. Well, if we're at a neutral start, that's when we can start playing this game a little bit, because, again, in transition, we're really only going to get the shot that we take or it's going to evolve. So let's say let's for an even number, let's say 50. 50 possessions we want 30 on those 50 that's 1500 points so if we can get to 1500 points we're probably going to be pretty good um now if we're we as as a girls basketball team in a state that doesn't have a shot clock when i was coaching high school maybe we're not going to get 50 of those possessions maybe we're only going to get 30 if we're playing a team like lake braddock who just slows who just takes the air out of the ball well, now we have to be even more surgical. So now you're getting into analytics with pace. You're getting into analytics with your shot selection and effective field goal percentage. But it's all been framed as, hey, we need to have as many of these 30-point possessions as we can get. And whether the ball goes in the basket or not is not within your control. However, the quality of shot that you take is within your control. And we need to end these 30-point possessions with sevens or nines. And, I, and that's how you yeah know, that's how it would play out yeah yeah it would be probably complicated to to take it to the level of I mean it would just be simpler to understand and, and put your hands around if you did it per possession you averaged mm-hmm. it out and you just simply did the math all right we had thirty possessions that were eligible for this that were non fast break that type of thing thirty yeah. possessions only ten of those did we have thirty point or higher possessions. So sixty six percent of our possessions we were under what we should consider a healthy possession, which right. that's not going to generate the type of scoring that we need. Right, but I do want to be clear. Like when we play this, we're playing with the actual rules of basketball. So it's not like a half court game. This is full court. Like we're playing, you know, full court basketball. We're just scoring it differently. So even though you have a fast break, if you get a wide open layup on that fast break, you're still getting 11 points because if you make it, that's two, and then you have nine for the wide open layup. So it still adds to your total. Mm-hmm. So it's not to say that we have to only and if and if it came in, off a deflected and if it came off a steal, right, right. All of a sudden now we're at 21 points. Correct for a steal yep. slash fast break wide open layup. Right, and then we can talk to our team and say, like, hey, what's the best way to get back into the game? Well, it's to go get a deflection and a steal and go score, right? It's to go, you know, make life hell for the offense and generate some more, you know, offense from our defense. Well, then we're all speaking the same language, and it's being reflected on the scoreboard. Because I think, like, coaches, and I was this coach for a long time, because, again, like, I didn't, I don't, I had to learn all of this stuff when we're scrimmaging or we're doing like an offensive breakdown or something, the defense is rarely going to get anything in the score score column, but the offense continues to get rewarded for scoring. Well, I don't think that's right because if we say like, Hey, we want our teams to be really good defensively. We want a defense wins championships, which again, there's all kinds of debate about that. Well, let's emphasize it then let's put a score up in practice that shows what the defense is doing effort-wise so that we're, again, emphasizing what we want to see. I wonder if you could actually take it, and I'm thinking out loud right now, Coach, if you could actually take it and see if defense can generate more points than offense. Like if you actually position it in such a way, and you'd have to really kind of think through this process, but that you, you gave enough opportunities for a defensive 
um, team for the for the team on defense to score more than an offense, and and it obviously wouldn't be head to head because it wouldn't work that way because they're going back mm-hmm. and forth, right? But during the course of the game, if our defense collectively as a whole on both teams outscored our offense on, from both yeah. teams. I mean, look, you can chart it any way you want. You know, you can even break it down in practice to where do the points come from. Because, again, if the kids are just passing the ball and they're not scoring, you could pass the ball 100 times in 15 minutes. I, I guarantee you, you could do that. Um, and if the defense isn't stepping in to stop it, then, of course, you might get to 100 points if your team is just really bad, you know, passing the ball 100 times and never scoring. Um, so, you, again, you can chart all of those things. It's really about how detailed you want to get with it. You know, what we did one time we had our alums back for like Thanksgiving break, I think, or winter break because they were in college. So they got out a little earlier and the kids knew the shot rating system and I had them grade the shots. And which was really fun because they were really hard on our kids, on our current crop of kids. You know, that's a five when the kid's like wide open in the corner, you know, it's clearly a seven. But, um, you know, just and whatever they said went. And then afterwards, the conversation again with the alums was like, hey, make sure we're taking really, really good shots. Don't just settle for that one because you think you have it. Like, let's give up our good for great. And so then you have that community coming around and it really emphasizes what you want. But yeah, we never got as detailed as to like think about where the points came from, Um, probably because we just didn't have enough time, nor did we have enough staff. And honestly, that was too, um, too micro for what our purposes were as a coaching staff. Sure, makes sense. And I'd say this is the fun part of coaching, this exercise. It lends itself to that where I can envision sitting down uh, with a sheet of paper and just having fun with it, you know, trying to create different dynamics and personalize and customize your 100-point game to your team, to your team's needs, and and then have it evolve, right? Oh, this would be fun Mm -hmm. if we incorporated that. and Oh, I think this would really enhance it if we started tracking this. This whole concept, I appreciate you so much for planting the seed in the last episode and thankful for your willingness to come back on and elaborate more on this. Coach, where can people find you if they want additional questions about the 100-point game? Yeah, so I'm on Twitter. Um, It's Rastogi, so R-A-S as in Sam, T as in Tom, O-G-I underscore Asim, A-S as in Sam, E-E, M as in Mary, or you can hit me at my email address, which is A Rastogi, R A S T O G I 29 at gmail.com. Yeah, and if you follow the Hardwood Hustle on Twitter, we obviously will be sharing the, his Twitter handle so you can get connected to him through that that way. But, Coach, appreciate you so much taking the time and sharing a little bit more about the 100-point game. I am Adam, normally alongside TJ Rosine. We appreciate you listening to the Hardwood Hustle. We're out.